This morning's been an exciting morning. The whole air conditioning and heating unit is out. The toilet in the ladies' restroom is running. The light on the flag is not lit at night to show the flag. All kinds of stuff. Okay? All kinds of stuff. And David, 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 right on time. Okay, right on time. I, I sat back there going, oh, Lord. This is going to be another one of Chris's Sundays. Now, I know it won't be. But it's an amazing time because we're going to talk about hope. And this has been an amazing week. An amazing week in which people have had wishes and hopes dashed. It is a week in which two people won $325 million and millions more that bought the tickets and had to tear them up. The odds, one in 175 million to win that ticket. And those that bought the tickets were dreaming about that new car, that new house. They were dreaming about taking that trip around the world. They were dreaming of walking into their boss's office and just going, bye, and turning around and leaving. All of those wishes dashed in one swift bounce of the ball. This morning, as we look at the Word of God, we realize that those hopes and those wishes we're far different than what we talk about in the Word of God. Because we believe and we've sung today about a hope that changes people's lives. A hope that will change our nation. A hope that will change our families. Yes, we as Christians believe in a hope in the mystery of Advent, the coming of Christ. Therefore, we take the time each year to set aside these moments to talk about the first coming but also to talk about the impact of his second coming. What is this hope that can change the world? What is this hope that can live in each and every one of us? What is this hope that we hold on to as a church and as a Christian? This hope can be first understood as cultural hope. And when you talk about cultural hope, you're talking about that mere optimism, that desire that things will change, that hope that is subject to conditions, subject to people, subject to circumstances. It's a wish based upon sifting sands, a possibility, an odd one in 175 million. And most of the time it blows up in our face. It brings disappointment because it's based upon a system. It's based upon politics. It's based upon committees. It's based upon emotions of whether people like you or don't like you. It leaves people hopeless. It affects nations. It affects businesses. It affects families. It affects our children. 19 or 20% of all high school students have seriously considered killing themselves. 20%, 2 out of 10, have seriously contemplated. 14% of them have actually made plans on how they're going to do it. 
They know the time. They know the circumstances. They know the method. 900,000 young people plan their suicide during one of their major times of depression. 900,000 of our children find no hope, find no possibility, find no opportunity, and feel that the only way they can get out of the situation is to take their life. And that's only our children. We're not talking about moms and dads and grandparents. We're not talking about those that are facing financial ruin. We're not talking about those that have the possibility of losing their job. And their hope is based upon what somebody will say, what somebody will do, what committee will select them. Cultural hope leaves us in total despair. It's been said that man can live 40 days without food. He can live three days without water. He can live eight minutes without air, but only one minute without hope. So what is this hope? What is it that we as the church, we as the people of God, offer the world? We offer it to our nation. We offer it to our neighbors. We offer it to those that live beside us. It is the biblical hope found in God's word, rooted in his covenants, rooted in the promises that God made to Noah and gave him the rainbow, the promise that he made to the priesthood, the promise that he made on Mount Sinai there in Exodus 34 chapter, the promise that he made to, Genesis, uh, to Abraham in Genesis 17, that same promise that Jimmy talked about last week, that hope that Abraham had, that even though he walked up that mountain, and even though he built that altar, and even though he laid his son upon him, even though he took the knife in his hand, he hoped that God will fulfill his promise. And even if it took the life of Isaac, God had a plan. And God was going to work it out. It was that hope that Abraham had, that God spoke to him, that he would make his, his people and his family and those that followed him millions upon millions. That's the stars of the sky. God promised it. Abraham believed it. And Abraham lived it. It is that hope that biblical hope that was passed through the prophets, even as we read this morning in Isaiah, the ninth chapter, as the prophet spoke to the children of Israel who were in total dismay, who were in total despondency. Their temple had been destroyed. Their young people had been carried into captivity and were living under false gods and living under a new king. Their land had been invaded and occupied. They had even forsaken God and married outside their race and married into false religions. The prophets prophesied there's a coming Messiah. There's a coming King. There's a coming day when we, the people of God, will be free. When God will reign and where God and righteousness will have its way in the land. It was confirmed and rooted in Advent, the first coming. Even as we read there in Luke, the second chapter, as Simeon and Anna waited in the temple day and night, waiting to see that child come in. 
and to have the Holy Spirit move in their being and confirm to them that this Jesus, this baby, is the fulfillment of all the prophecies, is the fulfillment of all the covenants. It is that hope that took them every day to that temple area. It is that hope that drove them through all the agony and pain of that time. It is that hope that was rooted there in the book of Matthew, the third chapter, verse 3. As John was proclaimed as the one in the wilderness, proclaiming the word of God, proclaiming, prepare ye the way of the Lord. That was a fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah 43. God was fulfilling his word. And it was that hope that the church and we as the church have. Because you see, this biblical hope, which is far different than the world has to offer. The world has it that we offer society and we offer politics and we offer systems and we offer bureaucracy. God's word and God's promise is that it's found in Jesus Christ. The power of biblical hope. Look at the power. Because you see, it does have power. It's a spiritual transfusion in our life. It is that shot of adrenaline. You know about adrenaline, do you not? Some of you lost all of it last night. You lost every ounce of it. You were shouting at that TV. You were hollering and screaming. You were saying things that you wouldn't repeat in church. I had a grandson standing there going, Dancing all over the place, okay? We know about that energy. And it is the power of the hope of Jesus Christ that lives within us. It is that shot. Notice 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. It says, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are bold, very bold. Because we have that hope, we can stand. Because we have that hope, we can be firm. And because we have that hope, we can be confident. We can stand with the truth and say, thus saith the word of God. And that may offend people. And that may make people upset. But the Holy Spirit of God will bring conviction with it. And he will change their life. He will bring into their life that which they do not have. He will fill that emptiness. It is the power to face each sunrise. Have you ever laid there on the bed and just prayed that the sun wouldn't come up? Because there were things that you had to do that day that you didn't want to do. There were people you were going to meet that you didn't want to meet. There were words that you were going to have to say that you didn't want to have to say. And you laid there in bed and just prayed, Lord, don't let the sun come up. But it is the power of this biblical hope that allows us and longs for the rising of the sun. Because it is in the new day that God will work. It is in the new day that he will give us courage. It is in the new day that we can see the manifestation of his love for us. We anticipate, we long, we seek for the rising of the sun to see God work. It is a power to face disappointment. Romans the 5th chapter verse 5. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Hope does not disappoint us. People disappoint us. 
Systems disappoint us. Football teams disappoint us. Basketball teams disappoint us. Financial institutions disappoint us. Governments disappoint us. Our families disappoint us. Our spouses disappoint us. But God says the hope found in the person of Jesus Christ does not. Does not. We can stand firm. The power of the biblical hope is also that the power we can face death. In 1 Thessalonians, the third chapter, uh, fourth chapter, verse 13. I love this passage of scripture. We only read it at funerals. I don't know why we don't read it every single day. It says, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or those that die. Or to grieve like rest of men, like the rest of men, who have what? Cultural hope. They don't have the biblical hope, and therefore they grieve differently than we as the people of God. And he says, who have no hope, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring Jesus, with Jesus, those who have fallen asleep in him. Those that have died in Christ will come with Christ in his second coming when he appears again. It is a power to face death. And though I may cry and though I may hurt and though I may be in grief and though I may have pain, I have a hope that carries me through. I have a hope that allows me to walk to that cemetery. I have a hope that allows me to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. I have a hope that will keep me safe in that grief. It is a power to confirm our salvation. We're saved by faith. We're not saved in the baptismal pool. We're not saved by giving money. You're not saved by joining this church. You're not saved by being a Baptist. You're not saved by a creed. We are saved by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. And it is confirmed by our hope. Hebrews 11, chapter, verse 1 and 2. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. A living hope through what? What is the foundation of that living hope? What keeps us going? What keeps us awake in the morning? It is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that cannot never perish, spoil or fade. Kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last days. We have a hope, an inheritance, and a down payment, a guarantee. It is the Holy Spirit living inside us. He is that warranty that assures us that heaven is there for us. But what is this hope? What is this hope? That we as a church should share. What is our hope in today as friends, as church members, as guests, as family? What are we dependent upon and holding on to? Our hope is in his soon return. You know, we don't talk about the second coming. We don't talk about it because there's a lot of theologians today and a lot of, a lot of modern thought that it's... it's 
He hasn't come in 2,000 years. You know, we're really not going to get worried about it today. But you know, as I read the Word of God, and as I study the Word of God, he emphasizes his soon return. He emphasizes his return. He emphasizes it in such a way that in Acts, the first chapter, verse 11, as Jesus is ascending into heaven, he says, the angel says unto them, men of Galilee, why are you gazing into the skies? This same Jesus that is taken from you will return how? In like manner. He's coming again just as he ascended from his disciples. It is a promise of God. It is the hope of all Christians. It is the hope of the church. It it is the hope that gets me through betrayal. It is the hope that gets me through the grief. It is the hope that allows me to wake up in the morning. It is the hope in Jesus Christ. He promised his return. He promised it in John the 14th chapter. He says, I go therefore to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will do what? I will come again. That where I am, there ye may be also. He, Paul says to Titus in Titus 2.11, he says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. He teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. We're to live self-controlled. We're to live upright. We're to live godly lives today. While we do what? While we look and anticipate and wait for the blessed hope. And that blessed hope is what? The glorious appearing of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's coming again. It is the power of that hope. We need to anticipate it. We need to look for it. We need to seek it. We need to cry out unto him. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Our hope is in his renewed power. In Philippians, the third chapter, notice what he says. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will do what? You have to underline this. You have to understand that Philippians 3, 20, 21. He will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And I don't know about you, but this body's getting old. When Jackie and I had to spend a whole day in the doctor's office going from room to room to room, something's wrong, okay? But this body tires out. This body gets weak. And notice what he says there. What did he say? He says he's going to change this body. Now, I don't know if it's going to give me any hair. You know, I, I really don't know that. I, I pray about that every now and then, particularly when Ben comes to me and says, you're bald. But I take that picture when I was 20 and say, it wasn't always that way. But, you know, this body gets this way. And God says he's going to transform it. Brother Knight, I don't have to be on oxygen. I don't have to be on oxygen anymore. I don't have to be wheeled in and wheeled out. I don't have to be on those walkers. I'll be able to walk up a hill without sucking air like I'm about ready to die. I can do what I want to do when I want to do it. Because he's going to change my body. And he's going to change my body and give me what? A body that is like his. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what that is. Okay, I have no idea. But I know that it's got to be better than what this one is. 
So the power of that hope. Our hope is in that renewed power. Notice in Revelations, the 21st chapter. Now, people don't like Revelations. It's too complex. It's too hard. All that stuff. But it's great, but great Bible. Great Bible. Revelations 21. Our hope is in his glorious reunion. And God shall do what? He shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be what? No more death. No more sorrow. No more crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat on that throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He's going to wipe away those tears of betrayal. He's going to wipe away those tears of pain. He says there's not going to be any pain anymore. I don't have to watch my dad go from a vibrant, powerful, strong man to laying in a bed, unable to get up. Because he's going to change me. And he's going to wipe away those tears. And he's going to take away that pain. That is the promise of the hope. Notice the last, the last part. In Titus, the first chapter, verse 2. Our hope in his gift of eternal life. A faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promises before the beginning of times. God has promised us eternal lives in a glorified body with him for all eternity. Now, you see, reason, Steve, where's Steve at? Reason won't get you there, okay? Reason won't get you there. I don't care how many times you add it up. I don't care how many times you apply the laws of logic. I don't care how many times you study it, how many times you define it, how many times you dissect it, how many times you apply the math to it. It will not add up. Because, you see, you're missing one component. And that component is faith. Faith. Only given by what? The Holy Spirit of God. He promises us eternal life. It is the hope of Advent. It is the hope of Advent. What kind of hope do you have? You got that hope that you buy that ticket and pray that you're that one of 175 million? Is it the hope that you pray that your boss will give you a raise? Is it a hope that you've worked in a job for years and years and they owe you that promotion and that position and the politics takes it away from you? Do you have that hope, that wish? That things will work out in your family. That marriages will be healed and people will be together and love will abound. And we won't have these schisms and fights. And You know, we're at that time in the season, aren't we? The family's coming together. Your family's coming together. Oh, Lord have mercy. 
Where are you going to put Aunt Betsy? If you have an Aunt Betsy, I don't know who she is. Where are you going to put her? What's she going to talk about? How many kids are we going to have? Are they going to be hanging on the chandeliers? How many gifts did this one get and this one get and this one get? And oh me, you forgot one. It's a great time of the year. But if you have hope, if you have biblical hope, Founded in the person of Jesus Christ, you'll make it. As we close this morning, the question is, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? If he would come today, as he ascended in Acts, the first chapter, if he would come today, do you know him? Does he know your name? You say, yes, preacher, I'm ready to go. If he comes today... There's no test on Monday. I'm happy. Okay, Lord, come quickly. But if you're a Christian, is that hope going to get you through tomorrow? Are you anticipating his coming? Do you have the hope that even though that mortgage seems to never end, and though you have that hope that we as a church will find a preacher someday, and he will, because I have faith, and hope that God is working in a powerful way. I have the biblical hope based upon the promise of God. If you're a Christian today, if you wandered away from him, if sin has come into your life and it has possessed you, and you need to get it right, you need to get it right today. You don't need to wait till tomorrow. You don't need to say, well, I'll do it tonight in my prayers. I'll do it tomorrow morning. We're not guaranteed tomorrow morning. We're not guaranteed that if you go out here to 280 on Mount... Meadowbrook Road and get into that intersection you're not guaranteed to get through that intersection are you ready to meet Jesus are you ready to look into his face are you ready to praise his name shall we pray Father God we come this Advent Sunday this Advent Sunday that we lift up hope and we see the hope as it was developed through the covenants and how it came by the prophets, and how it was brought to flourishing in the person of Jesus Christ. Lord, you've told us and promised us salvation. And if there be anyone here this morning that has never received you, may they come even right now. And let us show us from the word of God. Let them see what you have for them. And Father, there's Christians here that need to come and kneel at this altar, that need to confess and need to make it right before you. Father, there's sin in their lives. There's discouragement in their life. There's disappointment in their lives. And they have not been seeking and holding on to the hope that you promised them. Father, may they come and may they take James's hand. May they pray with him. May they make it right before you. Father, there's men and women here that need to come and join this church and be part of this church. And you say, Lord, well... Well, we don't have a pastor. What's going to happen? Lord, if you'll lead them, you'll lead them right. And you'll lead them in your spirit. Lord, be with us as a church. Bring us together as one in the hope of Jesus Christ our Lord. This we ask and pray in your precious name. Amen.